Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you for watching on the town. I'm your host, Tanya, and I'm back again. Yes, I know it's unusual, but sometimes we get artists from all over the world, and you got to do what you got to do. So it's early, but uh, I hope you guys will listen in and learn something new about somebody new. Uh, so today's guest is a British-Australian comedian. He's a writer, musician, and an actor who's been pretty much rocking and rolling in the UK circuit for about three years now. He's also the host of the Reckless Comedy Podcast, which will be celebrating its one year anniversary in May, uh, May 2021. So that passed, uh, March, April, May, right? Okay, so please welcome, give a round of applause for the lovely Kim Nash. Hey Kim, oh. what's up? Yeah, it's good, thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. Uh, uh, it took a while to get this, make this happen because uh, we're on two different time planets here. But uh, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to out. Appreciate it. How's it going over there in the UK with lockdown and stuff? Um, it's still a bit of a shit show. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, our government don't know what they're doing. Um, um, no. They never, they never know what they're doing. But um, it's slowly starting to ease. But obviously, with in Europe, this third wave kicking in, everyone's sort of like, oh, another lockdown's happening. And it's like, are you not used to it already? Like, we're, we're just coming out of the third one. You know, the third, your third wave. I forgot how many have we had. <laughs> I don't know. God, I want to say at like least they're pulling, like, um, they're pulling mutations out their ass right now. <laughs> I know it's crazy. I'm. Are wait. First of all, are you one of those conspiracy theorists, or are you just like okay, just hurry up and get this damn thing over with? Yeah, I'm one of them people. I'm just like cool. Another <laughs> lockdown. Cool. More depression. Cool. Right. It's crazy. I. I mean, I. I know it's happening. Um, but they keep coming with these contradictions that are killing me right now. Killing mm -hmm. me. Oh, wear your mask. Nope. Oh, after months, almost a year. Oh, you should wear two masks. I'm like, so what happened to all those nine months that we were wearing one? Oh, you know, so, you know, I just, I'm just tired. I'm tired. Then they tell you, get the vaccine. It's definitely going to save your life. And you're not, if you get it, you won't get as sick. So I know some people who got the vaccine and they got sick really sick uh, uh which is fine if that's what they want to do i don't care but just now if you're if you're a non-vaxxer you're going to be treated like a plague literally yeah. everywhere you go yeah. you cannot fly you cannot go to school you cannot go to college you can't mm -hmm. do it or you can't go to work i'm like oh gosh stop just stop you yeah. know so of like masks for us we were really late to the game getting people to wear masks we didn't make it mandatory until like I think June, July, maybe August. It's really? Yeah, yeah. We that's how bad our government were. They were like, "No, nah, you can wear a mask if you want to. You can wear a mask." Well, didn't he get COVID first? Down. They just went right. Wear your mask, otherwise we're finding you. And it's like, first, why didn't you do this months ago? Why didn't he wear it, Boris? That's why he ended up with it. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, I got a little bit. I got a little bit of COVID. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? You see, Trump got it. I mean, everybody, everybody got it. It was like crazy. Yeah. But, uh, but hey, I mean, and you know, it's funny. It's like, you know, I don't know. The people that I want to see in ICU never end up there. It's like, mm -hmm. what, what the hell? What's going on here? Uh, the people you don't want to see are the ones who end up there, and you're like, no way. You know, it's just not, not oh, fair. 100%. Whatever happened to freaking karma? Anyway, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've been performing around um, the pubs and nightclubs. Uh, it says and bandstands. Ha, <laughs> thanks yeah. to COVID. 
So what's going on with that? Like, like you are you still like for, since March? Take show me a picture of like you've been, still been performing nonstop, or it's become you know a structure now. Um. So when if we go back to March 2020, when like about a couple of weeks before our lockdown first kicked in, you know, mm -hmm. I was still doing gigs, mm -hmm. and everyone was like sort of making jokes about COVID. Right. You know, sort of right. like, oh, it's the coronavirus. Someone get me a bottle of Corona. Yeah, like that. Just like, you know, we weren't taking much notice of it. Right. And then as soon as lockdown came in, for me, I just shut down. Like, I didn't do anything. I didn't do, like, Zoom gigs. Because back then, Zoom gigs were sort of, like, souping down to a new, like, low level. Like, <laughs> yes, that's what they like, say. Which yeah. I spoke to. <laughs> yeah. And then it wasn't until about probably mid-June. Mm -hmm. when um like outdoor shows started um mm -hmm. popping up here and there mm -hmm. uh, and at first i was sort of like is it too early to start doing them but then i just caught the bug ironically from there and then it wasn't till i think my first proper indoor show uh -huh. after the first lockdown weren't till like september okay so um and even that was like really social distanced like uh for performers we had to wear a mask around the whole building. Right. Um, we, when we were on stage, everyone had a mic each. Um, oh. and there, was, uh, there was also like a line on the floor as well. So we were told not to step over that line. I did one venue where they just put a table on stage and they told us not to go past the table. And it's like, yeah, but this table's bloody huge. What <laughs> part of the table are we not allowed to go past? And, That's crazy. Wow, you did better than we did. I know when it first started, a lot of comments like like you making jokes and you know like you're like over there in the UK, they're making jokes and oh my god, and they were still out. Do you know how many comics died from this? A lot over here, a lot uh, to me, a lot meaning it's only a, a hub of about maybe let's say five thousand of us, maybe let's make that up in that little city area, right? So with that many um, comics, uh, as many that I've seen died, I was crazy. Crazy, but that's I was like, I had one girl, she was on a mic, uh, on a Zoom, and she was, Yeah, I got COVID, and yeah, well, and I was like, Dude, like, like you're acting like it's casual, but it, you know, somehow or another, we make it through. Uh, so you, so, so then, okay, so you were still able to do a little performing. When did it actually stop? Did it stop? Um, well, I think for me, yeah, for me. Like I said, after the first lockdown, I just stopped doing like as many shows as possible. You know, yeah. I just sat there and went, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this time to recharge. Right. You know, and then as soon as this whole thing's over, I'm gonna come back as strong and as yeah, as strong yeah. and and as much faster as possible than exactly. I were before. And then yep. obviously outdoor shows, there was so many limitations. Yes. So like, you know, everyone had to stay two meters away. Um some of the shows didn't even have a PA system. Wow. So obviously we then have to shout, but then the advantage of that is so that you're spread more COVID. Yeah. Shouting. yeah, that's the disadvantage. Oh, yeah. They tell us not to shout, but then we have to shout. Right. You know, one of the venues we did, it was like this big amphitheater outside. And, you know, you've got audiences 360 degrees. So not just have we gotten used to looking forward and seeing the audience forward, we then got audience to the left and to the right. Oh. So we had to like move around as much as possible. Oh my gosh. So some people that I, that I know, uh, they just started comedy 
and then mm-hmm. went straight into outdoor shows, they just broke down because they, they just couldn't. And obviously with hecklers as well, you know, if you're getting heckled from the front and the sides, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder than in a club where you where you can see, you know. And it's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. What 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 are some of the things that you did um, to perfect um, yourself, I guess, or your craft for when lockdown was over? Like for me, I, I you know I did my podcast. I was doing everything. I blogging. I was uh, YouTubing, making sketches, everything. What, what what were you doing to keep yourself busy as a comedian? For me, I think it was mainly my podcast, um, which started up actually during lockdown. Um, it it the way it started up was I got so bored. Mm-hmm. I just went, right, is anyone interested in doing a podcast? And mm-hmm. I got about three comics to come mm-hmm. on the first episode, and it just shot up from there. Mm-hmm. Like, I ended up getting a co-host in America mm-hmm. who, you know, has got connections, and it's just like, I'm still taken back by it now, even a year in, you know. Now, is that Alter Ego? Or was that me? Uh, which, what's the name of that one? I've got so many alter egos. Oh, I, I, well, not which personality, but which one? Because um, I know you have a, quite a few, which I was going to talk about. You have, um, let me see, tell us about, uh, what is it, alter ego being Chase Brody? Okay, so Chase, interesting. Chase yeah. is a, best way to describe it, or as one one of the um, performers in our improv night described him, as a psychopathic, <laughs> very scary movie director who doesn't know his lines. Uh-huh. So by that, he's he's very shouty, he's very sort of in your face, uh, uh, and his backstory is that he was working as a movie director in, in Hollywood, but then Hollywood, because of his anger, said, just get out. You know, he got blacklisted from Hollywood, so he had to resort to running an improv troupe on Zoom, <laughs> and Chase doesn't like it, like it and it's... It's funny because playing that character, I'm not that sort of person. I'm not that sort of person that will shout at someone. Okay. Uh, unless someone shouts at me back, then that's just the fight or flight instinct. Right. But Chase just sca- like Chase scares me, and I'm the one playing him. <laughs> that's pretty scary, uh, then. And what's what's an anti-killer internet virus hybrid? Okay, so anti, as we call him. Anti, anti yeah. Anti is a very sort of, um, the best way to describe him is, as you said, you know, an internet virus hybrid. Um, but we, with him, he doesn't show up a lot. But when he does show up, he does some really weird things. Like he does like vocal, like weirdness. Um, he <laughs> crawls around on the floor. He headbutts walls, tries throwing himself at windows. Um, and the noises he makes is all like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, it strains my throat every time I do it. It's like, so, um, that's why I don't do it anymore. <laughs> it's like, uh, what's that music, um, thra- not thrash metal, that, where they scream? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. yeah. That reminds me of like a Sid Vicious meets that guy, that guy. That guy. Uh, yeah. So And um, and who's uh, Marvin? Uh, the Marvin, oh, that's my favorite. No, that's my favorite. Oh, is he your favorite? Yeah, he's my favorite to play because um, he's our chase. Anti and Marvin. Marvin has probably had more involvement in any project ever. Like he's the amount of shows we've dragged him into. So Marvin is a magician who can't do anything. He can't. He can't do the basic card trick. 
He is very similar to Chase. Origin the original idea was that Chase and Marvin are both twin brothers. <laughs> it's a cheap way of us saying it's the same guy playing the two characters. So that's why we've done it. But uh -huh. Marvin is very similar to Chase. He gets very angry very quickly. Um, and some of the things Marvin is, we've dragged Marvin into, um, he's, he's tackled uh, the, uh, the nativity story. Uh -huh. uh, we, uh, me and one of your previous guests, uh, Michael Monkhouse, uh, yeah. me and him wrote um, that. Okay. Uh, things went badly. Marvin destroying the set. Marvin <laughs> being an alcoholic. Um, <laughs> which was oh, interesting. Very um, interesting, especially in the UK. Hello. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and I know when I'm there, when I was there, I haven't been down in like eight years. I'm going to actually have to go back soon. Uh, and um, and it's funny, but uh, back when I went, like, that was like eight years ago, um, uh, my kids and I, you know, we were my friends and my, my um, daughter's godfather lives there. And it was hilarious because we'd go into bars and like kids would be in there. And I was like, why are the kids in a bar? Like, this is weird. But they got some mean ass fish and chips. Let's go. Um, yeah, you know, so it, it was okay, but it was weird to see that. I was like, do you know where I come from? A kid in a bar will catch you a CPS charge, like, quick, you know? <laughs> it's like, everybody here has got a charge. Everybody, you get a charge, you get a charge. Like, when Oprah on them, you get a charge. It was crazy. Yeah. Really crazy. So, they describe you as unique, uh, crazy, energetic, and unpredictable. <laughs> yeah. That's mainly because of the alter egos. Like, you don't know which one's going to come in. But oh, just no. like briefly going to Marvin, the most recent thing that uh, we've dragged Marvin into, once again with Monkhouse, uh, I have to give a lot of credit to Monkhouse. Oh yeah, he's uh, awesome. But one of the things we recently did, and we did a preview of it last night, was um, Marvin the Magnificent presents The Last Days of Christ. Oh. So we're tackling the Easter story. So as you can imagine, with me and Michael being the writing team behind it, oh, Lord. Um, a lot of things go down. Um, even on my skin right now, I've still got like um, sort yeah. of leftovers of what happened. It, it just involves me being covered in a lot of fake blood, oh, no. dragging myself along my own floor, and oh. then quite literally the wall behind me, I have to crucify myself to the wall. Oh my gosh. So it's like uh, Linda Blair. What is that? Sybil. Uh, Sybil. Is it Sybil? The head of the person? Mm -hmm. oh, no, not Sybil. What's the character? You know, the head shaking and stuff. What's her name? Um, oh my gosh. The girl with the, Linda Blair with all the blood and uh, Exorcist. The Exorcist. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like he's a part of him or her. Of her. Yeah. It's crazy. And um, like the fact that um, there's a funny story with it. When we first wrote the show, originally uh -huh. we wanted, we wrote it as an eight person show. Okay. But then as soon as we sent the script out, we <laughs> got the biggest rejection. Pretty much everyone dropped out. <laughs> Do you think? It was a mix of like it was a mix of people saying, "Oh, I'm Catholic." I that guess. Is exactly. <laughs> and like, well, don't sign up for it. We're taking the Mick out of Christ. But wait, here's another contradiction, right? Here we go, right? So know, they're right? mad. They're mad about that, but they're not mad. Uh, and that. Uh, well, there was a Catholic priest came out. I don't know if he did over there, but he came out over here and said, Monsignor, whoever he was, said to Catholics, do not take the Johnson Johnson because it has 40-year-old dead baby embryo in it. So um, it's like, okay. And then they had, the, they made, of course, they made him retract that. So he came back and says, okay, if you have to take it, and it's the only one you can take, all right, no problem. So I was like, I think God will take one for the team of creativity. Why not? He'll, he'll be like, I understand. 
we need Kim Nash to to get his uh his whatever out. So he has to do these characters. Go ahead, you know. You you yeah, get it. Um, the thing is with last stage cards. The funny thing is, um, when when I first took the idea to Michael, his initial reaction was no. He didn't want to do it originally. No, but neither. That's saying something, you know, you know, Michael Hill. I know. Anything, you know <laughs> he said no originally, but then um, we we started writing it a bit more, and he went, you know what, just go for it. And <laughs> yeah, it's not often you get to drag yourself up a wall covered in fake blood. Um, and get to crucify yourself to your own wall. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Listen, after COVID, that sounds like a scene I'd be in. I'd be like, oh, just get it up with. Let's go. You know, it yeah, just. Someone did actually suggest, like, would we try doing, like, Marvin's Last Days of Christ in like, a real venue? Really? And I, I just slammed it down straight away and went, no venue would allow us to do it. Like, not even, like, a non judgmental venue would do it. Not in the UK. Just viable. It's not viable, like financially, and also it's not viable the amount of time we'd have to put into it. You know, me and Michael spent 10 hours writing Last Days of Christ over four days. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. That, that's crazy. So you've been getting into more sketches too, because that's what we've been doing over here. I've noticed mm -hmm. a lot of people. Uh, and thank God for the internet is all I can say. Hello. Thank God for StreamYard. Thank God for whatever the other platform, um, Zoom. I mean, we've been really doing it. Even even some of us are not techie, but when you write sketches, um, what do you like better? Actually going up and doing stand-up or writing a sketch and expressing something that you've been wanting to get out? I, I've all, This is the thing. I come from a sort of acting background. I was an actor before yes. I became a comic. Oh. So, so when I do like sketches, I always sort of fall back on the acting side of like me. Uh -huh. But stand up and sketches are just just two different things together. Like you could easily blend stand up and sketches together. That's sort of what Last Days of Crisis is—the mix of um, stand up and sketch. Okay. But I will always prefer like anything creative, really. Like as long as I can use my talent to make people laugh like yes. if you enjoy seeing me covered in fake blood pinning myself against a wall you know <laughs> you need to get help right <laughs> you get well help. you're like you're the typical comic we're like stage horse i mean that's basically what we are we can't yeah, like i think michael put it puts it best um he's a whore but he won't do it for sex <laughs> right well that's so funny because this is how you really know when it was lockdown i before lockdown, I started my uh, uh, quarantine mic, uh, I called it, but I started it before lockdown happened. And just mm -hmm. because I had a sense that something was going to go on funky, um, mm -hmm. and I had been suggesting to com comedians for two years up in my area because I live so far, 45 minutes from the city. So I was like, ah, oh, this sucks. Sometimes you don't want to go to mic. And quite frankly, I think mics are quite boring. I think the people um, doing stuff is just, it's all, excuse me. DIC jokes. I can't. I just. I cannot. Uh, so and then as and then I was experiencing a lot of racism in Westchester. Uh, a lot of the, um, not the venue itself, but the people um, putting the event on. They would have comics that come in that say things like, "Oh, black people." I'm going to rename um, Planet of the Apes Planet of the Black People. And I'm like, that shit's not funny. That will get you an ass whipping. Not funny. Uh, so you know, I said, you know what? Why am I putting all this? letting this, these people anger me, put it into something else. So I started uh, the quarantine mic and first nobody would come. Then I had some people come. Uh, and now I just have somebody that we shoot um, sketch ideas with every Monday. 
Uh, and I invite people to come, but some don't. So I said, we don't care. We get we're, We are busting out these sketches. Like what? Um, mm -hmm. To the point where I'm like, I'm ready for a TV show now. I'm ready. We're ready. We got enough sketches. Let's get it going. So I think the lockdown has been good for us, um, <clears throat> all of us. Uh, and I am a uh, comedy horror because when the lockdown happened, I was all for the Zoom. Most people were not. They were like comic comics were like, I'm not doing the Zoom. To this day, I know some who've never done the Zoom. They're like, they refuse. And I said, well, good for you. You do you. I'm doing me. Don't don't judge me because I, you know, I'm a creative. That's what I do. I can't sit at home like this for freaking a whole year and not do anything. Yeah. No, I'm not. And some people were out actually doing shows even during the pandemic which I commend them for, but I was like, I'm not that desperate, nor am I that, not desperate, what's the word? I'm not that much of a whore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> person. I'm an online whore, not out in person, <laughs> you know? So um, what else, uh, let's see, um, something else I saw here, blah, 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 alter egos. Um, and so you're acting, how's that going since the pandemic? That's right. Um, to put it bluntly, I've not been on stage since January, 2020. So we've been off stage now okay. for ages now. Uh, we've, we've done shows, right. like, did a couple of Zoom stuff, but it, even all of us just weren't like in, we were in the mind frame for it, but right. we were also not. Um, and we, we just keep saying to the director, oh, please, can we get back on stage? Um, originally, we were supposed to be back on stage back in July last year. But um, the show just got cancelled even before tickets went on sale. Wow. Like, we just didn't know how uncertain it was going to be. Yeah, we're... Yeah, and then we were sort of like, oh, we might get back on stage for Christmas. Mm -hmm. That ended up in the virtual thing. Uh, but it was a blend of um, people. We had a mix of people being, like, live-streamed live. Mm -hmm. Pre-recorded stuff where um, I think I spent two days on like a, some private garden, um, just like talking into a camera, being two meters away, a one in, one person in, one person out system. Okay. Um, and we're hoping, hoping to be back on stage um, at this moment in time. Uh -huh. We're hoping to be back on stage fully by Christmas. Um, but we've got a, I think it's a, once again, a semi-virtual, semi, -virtual, semi Real life show coming in July. Mm -hmm. So, did you, yeah. did you did you get um like us? I had I had tried to enter this contest, which was brilliant. You had to write a screen. Oh, uh, nice! Is it called screenplay? You had to write a play. Excuse me, mm -hmm. uh, for Broadway that only involved three actors because of social distancing, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it could had to be about COVID. And I came up with a brilliant freaking. Um, screenplay, and then they had some dumb thing to submit it and I, that I didn't see, and I was like, I'm not doing that. So I didn't submit it, so I have this great thing, because uh, everything I try to do now, I was still thinking in the mind of a uh, lockdown. Yeah. And just in case. So, you know, I'm like, how would this work if you had to do it through Zoom? Can it work? Or, you know, I try to think like that, but you know, um, we do the best we can. I'm glad our theaters are open back in, but New York, woo, 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 not at full percent, but it's opening it back up, um, I'll say next week or sometime, I don't know, very soon. So um, that's exciting for all the Broadway actors. Um, mm -hmm. Did you do any movie movies, any any movies that were on the big screen? No, I'm, I'm not that far in my career yet. Well, if, anyone, okay. if anyone's watching, please do. <laughs> that's funny. My son-in-law is a movie producer. That's so funny. Um, oh. in, in Hollywood and in the UK. Um, but that's interesting. 
Uh, so don't worry. It'll be back eventually. Actually, he's he hasn't been out of work since since March at all. He's been still, but it's all falling in Zoom. So whatever. Go yeah. figure. But uh, what else? Anything else you've been up to? What else has you been up to? Um, um, well, tell us one, like, right in the show that just bashes the son of God. Um, it's been a mix of all sorts, I think, over the last year. Obviously, the podcast is the most predominant thing. Yes. Uh, and I do have to thank everyone for the support on that over the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was so much fun. And it's still got, What do you use over there? Do you have free platforms? Because we have Anchor. F, anchor.fm.com is free yeah. anybody we, can use it we started out on anchor we started off on anchor and then we slowly went from uh being distributed by anchor to google itunes um spotify that was that was really interesting because yep. itunes was the last one to pick us up itunes were last so we were making a joke for like about 10 or 12 episodes going when's itunes gonna pick us up itunes pick us up and then they pick us up and it's just like Cool. Where do we go from there? <laughs> That's funny because the anchor here, um, when I put my podcast on, it, it not only does it go around the world, but also right away it goes to Spotify, iTunes, and all that stuff. So it's really a good venue. It's more, it's actually a better outreach to the audience than an actual pod uh, show like this because um, I've I've watched. They give you the stats, and I have I have people from um, Australia, Germany, Russia watching. I'm like, is it Putin? Maybe Putin's watching. I don't know. Uh, but, um, it's okay. It's okay, my Putin, my Russian brother. Um, it's okay. Uh, but I have you have more more wider audience and more base. But I like it here, anchor, because you don't. I don't have to do all that. So I, I never understood why people pay for um, for a podcasting. I don't understand when there's so many free venues that are awesome. Yeah. They're really. Awesome. I think I think the thing is with my podcast, it, it's opened up so many doors for us. Like um, our most recent episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was one of my favorite episodes to ever like sort of conduct as an interviewer was uh, we got to speak to a um, an actor who had worked a little bit in America and um, was in a social distance production mm-hmm. of um, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Jesus Christ Superstar yeah. uh, back in the summer, uh, an actor called Pepe Nefrio, um, who had done uh, the US tour of JCS in 2019, early 2020. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it weren't for the podcast, that sort of thing would have never happened. So the fact that I've sort of had this chance to speak to people, mm-hmm. sort of in the hierarchy, really, yeah. so the people above me is just crazy. And, you know, like, just getting to do stuff like this and just try and promote uh, Jesus bashing. Obviously, don't, don't take that seriously. Jesus bashing. Hey. hey, listen, at this point, I mean, uh, I think uh, he's the most understanding person in the world right now. I mean, I, after, I, after I saw that uh, Monsignor, whoever he was, get on TV and tell the Catholics do not take this because of the baby 40-year-old dead embryo, and it's against your policy, I was like, wow, so you do have policies. Okay, but well, what about the little boys? I'm just saying, like, there's like, you know, what? what's the priorities here? So it's it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Um, don't worry about that. God will understand. You'll be fine. Do your comedy. Yeah, we, like, we've all lost days of Christ. We just tell people to go into it open-minded. And the yeah. thing is, when we're doing it, we're doing uh, two live stream shows, uh, actually a week today at the time of recording. Oh, um, really? Yeah, a week. And um, we're doing two live stream performances. Everyone involved right now, there's three of us involved, we are currently shitting a brick about <laughs> it. Because, because it's going to be live streamed, Oh. Once it starts out live, we got no control. Yeah. Whereas in the previews, you know, we can 
ask people for feedback at the end. Right. We can't. We can't do that. Once well, it goes down, if anyone gets offended, you know, cool. Good for you. Yes. Well, speaking of offended, this will be the last question I asked because it's time to go already. I've, uh, but but uh, um, speaking of offended, what is there anything, is there any limit that you do have, like as far as race? Like cause to me, I won't do racist jokes, obviously. I mean, it's just horrible. Um, but are there any, any limits that you have at all um, when it comes to your comedy? Anything? For me, I, I'm a pretty open person. Uh, I did used to have one joke, which I've only ever performed um, outside uh, three times. Um, and I actually got told to stop doing it because um, it, was, it wasn't it was racist, but it was borderline. People were sort of like, this could be taken across. And it was a true story about my late granddad who, uh, he left the British Army and okay. came, somehow became a taxi driver. Okay. And there was a story where this um, foreign guy to put it nicely, got in the back of his cab and said, uh, this is back in the 70s, there was a thing called a sheet house where, you know, sheets, you could buy sheets. Um, and my granddad got very confused and he thought the guy told him to take him to a sheet house. Shit house. Because of the accent. Because of the accent. And um, because uh, the guy in the back of the cab was saying, I need a sheet, I need a sheet. <laughs> just told him straight out and i know i'm gonna probably get cancelled for this okay. but my granddad went straight back to him and went well take a sheet in the back take a sheet in the back. What's and apparently that's not good enough for bandstand shows yeah but what's racist about that it, it's the whole accent idea of pretty much my granddad just told him to take a shit in the back but because because the guy had an accent and thought he was saying sheet it, it this is just a whole podcast on Because I'm American, maybe because I'm American and I don't know. Probably the Americans, like Americans don't like, um, I don't think they get a lot of the British humor. Saying that, um, I got introduced on a show once, um, really recently, a Zoom show, an American Zoom show. I'm not going to name names, of course, but they, um, they introduced me as I kid you not, the white Kevin Hart. <laughs> and I was just like, excuse me. That's actually that's actually a compliment. <laughs> but uh, uh, I know what you mean. Like it could be that's like here's time the black so and so. If I said the black so, so I guess it could be taken either way. Yeah, but yeah, I would laugh. Fun. I would laugh at that because that's not an insult. They said you were the uh, black um, Clarence Thomas. Then I have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Or they said I, you were. The black, well, um, once yeah. they said I was the leader of the Redcoats at one point, and I'm like, hold on, hold on, oh hell no. <laughs> The leader of the Red Coat, they're fucked up. <laughs> That's messed up. I know, right? and I've not gone back to that mic ever since. <laughs> That's horrible. The leader of the Red Coat, here he is. Well, you know, I mean, I, I'm trying to become more the, it's comedy, relax. But the one thing I just don't tolerate is out flat racist jokes. I can't. I can't yeah. co-sign. Because it's like, to me, I'm co-signing. Like when the guy got up and said, he looked dead at me too. I was the only black person there. I was the only woman, two other women, 30, like 30 comments. I don't even know, 27, whatever. And he looks dead at me and he was talking that Trump shit. And he goes, um, yeah, I saw Planet of the Apes. Did you see that? I'm going to rename it Planet of the Black People. I was like, okay, what part of that? Um, you're lucky I'm a Quaker, first of all, because if I wasn't, I'd snatch you off the stage. Second of all, what part of that? Is that supposed to be a joke? Like, what are you? Because if you, you know, I don't know. I had so many things to say to that but that to me is just blatant racism you know what i'm saying like yeah, something I mean, like, that had happened in like a comedy club in england 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy would not just get banned from the actual comedy aspect, but the venue would ban him. Yes. Um, and that night would most likely get shut down just because of that person. Yeah. And the audience would just pretty much go on a mafia state. Like, well, I'm glad I'm glad you guys did because our guy I had the comic stand up for me. I love him to death to this day. Him and a few others got up real quick and got him off sick because I was like, I'm not letting you finish the set. Like there's no way you're gonna finish the set. I don't care what you say. And we had got a shouting match, and someone thought he was gonna hit me, so they got it between us. One of my littlest comic friends uh who saved me. Thank you, Brinker, you're the best. Uh, but I and the venue owner kicked him out, so he was awesome. Uh, but the promoter um, knew he was coming. I found out later, and he knew he had racist material, and he let him get up there. That pissed me off, and so I don't really talk to them anymore um, because I was like, "What do you? What the, what the hell do you think that's comedy? Like, you know?" He said, "Oh yeah, he he tries to be like um, it's a guy named Aaron Berg and this other guy who say very racist shit, but they're very clever at it, so you don't know till five seconds after the joke leaves their mouth." Um, so he was trying to be like them. I was like, by saying he's gonna name black people apes, like that's not a. I'll, I can guarantee you. Put it this way: This is how you know. Would you go to Harlem or the South Bronx, or would you go to Louisiana, like to any of the places where there's a high population, any area where there will be high black population of black people, and tell that joke? Exactly. If you say yes, no problem. Sell it, tell it. But if you have to think about it, or be like, well, I would, but. You probably won't want to tell the joke because you might end up dead somewhere. Uh, so, um, you know, he, he, I've never been back. And that's why I stopped doing Mike's in Westchester because he was running them. And he's, I see, you know, his girlfriend was at the Q9, at the Capitol building, mm-hmm. talking to the Q9 people. I was like, what are you doing? Are you, are you down with this terrorist shit? Like, that's crazy. So I don't deal with none of these Westchester comics uh, anymore. Um, just, not Westchester comics. Some of them are awesome, but the person that does the, the stuff around here because I just can't deal with racism. That's the one rule in comedy I have. No, you're not. Not while not on my watch. Uh, yes. so, yeah. I appreciate you so much, Kim Nash, uh, for taking the time to be here and uh, wake me up nice and early. Make sure I'm on my A game because you know, <laughs> COVID's like you can sleep till like two o'clock. Uh, so you're the best. I really appreciate you. And um, I'm going to re air it on Sunday. Uh, I appreciate you so much for taking the time to come. And so just hang out for a minute while I do my little exit. You guys, thank you so much for watching. I know it's uh it's a uh, what's today Friday, and that's unusual for us. Um, but we had to do what we got to do. Okay, we have to do. When you're across the pond, you got to make it happen by hook or crook. Okay, so thank you guys for watching. I appreciate you, and I will see you guys Saturday um, um, at 5 p.m. I have so many shows. Saturday at 5 p.m. with Five Black Comics, where I co-host with um, Carl Yard, uh, Desmond Walker, Preach TV, and um, I'm missing somebody. Myself, uh, oh, Kevin Lee, musician Kevin Lee. That's right. Hey, so I'll see you guys Saturday. Uh, in the meantime, be good. And I'll be back on the town Sunday at 8 p.m. Don't forget that either. All right, guys, talk to you in a minute.